crowds this morning, guys. Man, so beautiful. And uh, if you're a creative, you've come to the right church because we've got all kinds of creatives here. We'd love for you to connect and be a part of that. Just fill that out on your connection card. And we're kicking off the series today called Starlight. It's going to be good. Uh, my name is Mark. First of all, Merry Christmas to all. And hello to all of our friends and new guests. Uh, make yourself at home. We're diving into a new series called Starlight. And this is what's going to happen this month for us is we're actually going to go deeper in our faith. Right? And I think we, we think about getting close to God in terms of proximity, but I think we come to a place in our faith where it's not here in terms of closeness, it's actually here in terms of closeness. And so I'm believing that through this series, you're going to grow deeper in your faith this month. It's going to get richer. It's going to get deeper. God's going to use it in incredible ways. It's going to be really, really good. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me this morning to Psalm chapter 119. It's the longest psalm in the Bible. And uh, before we do that, you may be here and you may think, well, what, what's this church all about? Well, we, we say this every Sunday. It's really simple. Our heartbeat as a church, we just want to help people, right? And you heard a little bit about Experience Water. You're going to hear some more about that in a little bit. But let's just say our heartbeat together this morning, helping people get closer to and become more like Jesus. That's really what we're about. We want to help people. And so we're glad that you're here with us today. We're going to jump right into the scripture, and away we go. Psalm 119, 105, the Bible says this. Short little verse, but it packs a powerful punch. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Let's pray this morning. Father, we are in need of light. We need light in our homes, our families, in our relationships. We need light in our community. We definitely need light in our nation. And so, God, we just ask that you'd shine on us today and cause us to open our eyes, to be illuminated, to see like you see. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Well, I found myself on my knees in the fetal position crying out to God. And that, that was like unfamiliar to me, definitely uncomfortable. Grew up Catholic, so when we kneeled, we had like kneeler cushions, right? And like you got on the kneeler cushion and that's how you did your thing. And, but I, I had found myself in a very uncomfortable position, not just because I was in the fetal position crying out for God because I was in desperate need, but my wife and I had moved from California to start a church, and, and the church that we were starting, uh, the church that sent us, had just lifted all of our funding to start the church. And so I was in desperate need. A man who was six months pregnant, and I needed a job. So I was literally on my knees crying out to God, God, give me a job. God, I need a job. How are we going to pay for this baby? What's going to happen? And I, I, I felt very uncomfortable. By the way, gentlemen, that fetal position, just be glad you're a man because it's awkward. You don't really want to be there. And so all this stuff is going through my head. And, and as I'm praying in that moment, I hear this whisper from heaven. And the whisper is, Mark, it's my job to get you a job. And I thought, wow, all the fear left. All the darkness dissipated. All of a sudden, I had clarity. I had a sense of relief. I had a sense of hope, like, wow, God's in my corner. Something good's going to happen. I told the man, I said, honey, it's okay. I talked to God, and he said he's going to get me a job. And she's like, wow, that's great. <laughs> like, come on, honey, bring home the bacon. Then we'll, then we'll talk about it, right? And so when God brings light, when he speaks to you, our response is always a step. And so I had thought about how someone had told me about a job fair. So I go to this job fair, and uh, after a couple of interviews and a series of interviews, I ended up landing a position in pharmaceutical sales. I was a drug-dealing preacher. Hallelujah. 
Soon after that, we started our Green Valley location. I want you to know our church started on drug money, somebody. Just so you know. I was selling clean pills, just so everyone knows. But think about that. It's my job to get you a job. There's probably nothing more that God could have said in that moment than that to help me like it did. If you, need, if you have your message notes, you can pull them out this morning and follow along. Write this down this morning. The word of God from God leads you to God. And so God speaks to us, and he speaks to us to create relationship. He, he speaks to us to lead us because he wants to help us. That's, he's not actually against us. He's actually for us. He's in our corner. He's cheering us on. He, he wants to help our life have meaning and purpose and impact. And so when we read from the scriptures, this is what's called the logos in Greek. It's the written word of God. But when God speaks to you, sometimes from the scripture, that's known as the rhema word of God or the breathed word of God or the spoken word of God. So God speaks to us. He speaks to us sometimes through the scriptures. You ever been reading your Bible before and all of a sudden there's been a, a verse that's jumped out, out of the page and kissed you on the cheek and you're like, well, oh, I never saw that before. Or God spoke that directly to me. Or, or sometimes it's in prayer where we're praying just like I was, and I'm praying and crying out to God, and he speaks to us. Sometimes God even speaks through other people. That's actually my favorite way, because it requires the least amount of effort, <laughs> right? Just, just hear, and, and it better be a good word, too. And, and if you've been around some spiritual uh, granola, which means fruits, flakes, and nuts, you've probably gotten some weird words. I just want you to know God doesn't speak weird words. He speaks encouragement. He speaks comfort. He speaks edification. When you get that word, it builds you up. It doesn't break you down. That's good. You should probably clap on that right there, because we've all been... A- if you've been in church any amount of time, you may have experienced some granola. Hallelujah. So the word of God from God leads us to God. And so we get that little bit of illumination. We get that little bit of light from God. And that light enables us to take a step towards the light. A light takes us to the light. And if you didn't know, Jesus is the light. He's the light. And so it's so important that we're reading this because it gets our ears in the same frequency of God's language so that we can hear from God. And with each word that we get from God, there's enough light given for us to actually take a step. See, when God spoke that to me, I immediately connected the dots with the job fair. I I wasn't waiting for someone to knock on my front door and give me a job. I had to fill out an application. I had to go through some interviews. I actually had to take some action. So the Bible says that, that his word, when he speaks to us, is a lamp unto our feet. And if you you understand Jewish culture, this lamp was, it didn't put out a whole bunch of light. It put out enough light for you to kind of take one step. In fact, if you were to take too many steps too quick, it would actually put out the light. And so I hate that because I want to go fast. I hate slow. I want to go, 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 right? Technology, faster. Have you ever been to a coffee shop that has fast enough internet? I know, you haven't. Neither have I. (laughs) Right? So... Fast, fast, go, go, right? But what I've had to learn is that's not the rhythm of God. He actually gives us a word to take a step. And it's our responsibility to respond to the illumination and the light that he gives us. Everybody say it. One word, one step. One word, one step. So you actually may need to look back at your life if you feel stuck today and say, when when was the last time God gave me a word and did I take a step? Because what I've found is he stops speaking when I stop stepping. But if I hear and then I take a step, guess what? The light keeps on coming. The illumination keeps on coming. And then step after step leads to momentum. 
And so that's why, that's, that's why we're such big believers in our church. We, we even have this whole thing after church called Next Steps. You heard my wife, Amanda, talk about it because we want to help people take steps. And we do community and design and impact. And, and we had a, a young girl in our church, she just told me this a couple months ago, and uh, she's Filipino. And she said when she came to our church that the idea that she had in her future is that the only thing that she could become is a, is a Filipino nurse. I mean, you know, there's a lot of Filipino nurses. Praise Jesus for Filipino nurses. I love TLC, tender love and care, right? But she had this idea that that's, that's all she could become and the only thing she could become. And after coming to our church and going through next steps and discovering her design and her spiritual gifts and her personality, and she, Matt, I, what I really feel in me is I'm called to be a designer, not a nurse. And guess who's a designer now? Simply because God gave her light, she was around a community of people that believed in her, that wanted her to be true to her true self, who God called and created her to be, and now look at how she's beginning to live that out. Isn't that awesome? That's what God wants for every one of us. So after church today, a man and I would love to host you and welcome to experience. We'd love to share our story with you and get your input and feedback and answer any questions that you may have. We'll have some lunch for everybody. We'd love to see you right after church. All right, so God speaks to us always through the lens of relationship. He speaks to us not, not just to tell us what to do. He's not a genie in a lamp. He really talks to us because he wants to be with us. He wants to be close to us. He wants to be in relationship with us. And God is so relational, right? What I've found with my kids is if I don't give them time to relate and just to talk and just to hang out, then I'm always yelling at them. And I'm always correcting them. If I don't have times of just connecting and hanging out, then I spend all my time correcting. And can I tell you what? It doesn't wear them out. It wears me out. That's what it does, right? All the dads are like, yeah, you better preach. So that's the same thing with God. If our relationship with God is just tell me what to do, tell me what to do, tell me what to do, God gets bored with that. He wants relationship. Not, not, he doesn't want to be your ways. He doesn't want to be your, your Google Maps where he's just going to give you the next direction. He wants more than just giving you direction. He wants relationship and friendship and intimacy and trust, right? And so when God speaks to us, he will give us leadership and direction and guidance like the scripture says. But really he wants way more than that. He wants friendship and, and relationship with every one of us. And I, I think it's important for us to, to think about where are we getting the direction and leadership in our lives. I mean, we, we, I mean, looking at everything that's just happened, we certainly can't look to, to Hollywood for our guidance. We can't look to politics. We, we, we can't certainly not look to Wall Street, right? Where are we looking to get our leadership and the guidance in our lives? We should be looking to this book and to be looking to the author, developer, and finisher of our faith. We should be looking to Jesus. But here, here's the, the thing. Have you guys ever been in a relationship before where things just get kind of rocky and icy and there's some misunderstandings and, and then you kind of move to that place where it's so cold, you're no longer on speaking terms. I know nobody in here has ever been there. I'm just, don't, even put, don't even put up your hand. Just keep it down. People are like, right? <laughs> We, we've all been there before, right? And, and, then, and then what's really weird is you're, when you're not on speaking terms with somebody, and then you see them. Awkward. So awkward. Like, what do you say? Do you act like you see, Did they see you before you saw that? Like, you don't know, right? So it's so awkward. 
And see, I think there's people here today that you think because of what you've done and the message that you've made that you're not on speaking terms with God, but I've come to tell you today that you are always on speaking terms with God. He always has a word for you to encourage you, to lift you. He's not going to judge you. He's not going to push you down. He's going to knock off the dust and put you back up on your feet and help you to believe again and dream again and become the person that God created you to be. You are always on speaking terms with God. Always. Every single one of us. It's so important that we know that. And in this relationship with God where we talk to God and God talks to us, it always comes through relationship, through the lens of favor. Have you noticed in life that favor is relational? When was the last time you favored someone you didn't know? Exactly. You haven't. Right? My my kids are on a baseball team, right? Who am I going to favor? I'm going to favor my kids, not the other kids on the baseball team because they ain't my kids. Right? You're going to favor not Johnny that lives down the street. You're going to favor Johnny that lives next door, right? You're going to favor people that you know, right? Now, here's the interesting thing, and it's hard for us to understand as humans because every natural relationship on earth doesn't look anything like our relationship with God because the basis of that relationship with God is always based on favor, It's not based on performance. It's not based on how nice we've been or how big of a gift we've given or how available we are. It's completely 100% based on favor. And favor is relational. We don't favor people we don't know. And so through the same lens and on the same basis, God's favor comes into our life through relationship. None of us have even scratched the surface of the favor that God has for every one of us until we go deeper into relationship with him. And that's what he wants. Is he speaks to us to favor us with leadership and guidance and, and direction, but he wants to go deeper than that into, into a depth of relationship and trust and, and, and intimacy and companionship so that he can pour out more and more and more and more favor on our lives. Not just to work for us, but to work through us so that our life can make an impact in other people's lives. Amen. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to run you through verse by verse uh, the scriptures in Luke chapter 1. And I I want to do a case study on favor. Can we do like a master's class on favor this morning? Can we do that? Can you kind of put on your thinking hats with me? And we're going to dive into the scripture. and We're going to act like we're kind of there in the scene. This is Luke chapter 1. This is the story of Mary. We're going to start out right here. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man who was named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Everybody say Mary. And he came to her and he said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, now here's what I want you to see. What's going through Mary's mind right now? An angel rocks up and says, oh, favored one. I'm sure she's like looking over her shoulder like, is this the right Mary? Did you come to the right address? See, if you understand culture right here in Mary's life, Mary was like the poorest of the poor. Nazareth was this small, tiny little town, basically the gathering of about eight to ten families that were farmers and shepherds, right? Like they had very little of anything. If anyone were to be favored on earth, it didn't look like Mary. And so she's wondering, I'm favored? You're telling me what? She's trying to, to understand this. And then within Jewish culture at that time, everything was based on performance. So it was how much you obeyed the Ten Commandments and how much you prayed and how much you gave and how much you did. It was all performance-driven with lots and lots of hypocrisy, 
right? So then she probably starts thinking about, well, what did I do in order to be favored? Like, wow, is my life clean enough? Am, am I perfect enough? Do I measure up enough? And, and so she's all kinds of twisted. And then what we find about Gabriel is Gabriel has like emotional intelligence. This angel is like bright. He is smart. Like he can read her face. He's got like social skills. And this is what he says. He says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, I want you to see this. He called her by name. He called her Mary. You, you were a kid, right, one time, and, and your parents said your full name. You know what I'm talking about, right? Mark, Thomas, McGovern. And it was followed up with, get down here now, right? Like, you, you, like point of emphasis, right? Gabriel says, oh, favored one, and then calls her by name Mary to help connect the dots. Hey, Mary and oh, favored one aren't two different people. Mary and oh, favored one are the same person. Hey, Mary, you are favored by God. You need to touch three people right now. Tell them your name, and then tell them you're favored by God. My name is Mark, and I'm favored by God. Come on, tell three people right now. Tell them your name, and then tell them that you're favored by God. Just so you know, here's my name, and I'm favored. If you got any questions, come on, tell them right now. I am favored by God. And I love this. I love that Mary goes from, from oh, favored one to Mary. Now all of a sudden the favor is beyond her thoughts. Now the favor is down in her heart. Now she, she, she probably starts believing in God's favor for her life. But before we got there, Gabriel recognized the fear in her heart. That's why he says, don't be afraid. Write this down this morning. Fear will always make us forget our favor. Fear will always cause us to, nah, I don't know if I'm really favored, like maybe, kinda, sorta, sometimes, right? Like, yeah, I was favored then, but I'm not favored now. Look at what's happening in my life. There's no way this can be God's favor, right? And we begin to question, and, and fear is always gonna lie to you. Fear is always gonna tell you that, that God's not gonna come through and, and that it won't turn out for you and you won't have victory and the life that you dream of will never become a reality. See, fear will always lie to you like that, but favor always has a response for fear. See, this is how it plays out. You get a bad medical report, and fear says, uh-oh, terminal illness, you're gonna die. Favor says, yeah, I may be sick, but Jesus is my healer. He's gonna hook me up and fix me up. I'm in a relationship, and it's destroyed, and it's broken. I made a mess and made some mistakes. The enemy says, it's over with. It's done. It'll never happen again. God says, no, I'm the restorer. I'm the redeemer. I can fix it. I can repair it, right? So for every fear that comes into our heart, we have to respond with favor. We gotta tell the fear what God tells us. When I was sweating it, how am I gonna pay for this baby and what are we gonna do for insurance and how am I gonna provide for my family? I gotta work for my, Mark, it's my job to get you a job. So I just let my favor speak to my fears. I'd love to see you do that and see what would happen in your life. Let's continue on. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son he shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He'll be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Just let me throw this in here. Mary could not have been more favored. She had the son of God in her belly. I mean, she could not have been more favored. I mean, up until this time... There was not a woman on planet earth that ever lived to be more favored than Mary. So then my question is, why did he pick Mary? You'd think he'd pick a queen or a princess or, or like someone like that, right? Well, because the Bible says that Mary was humble. 
that Mary just surrendered her life. God, I'm not going to tell you what to do with my life. You know better about my life than I do. I'm just going to surrender. Whatever you want to do, as long as I'm in a relationship with you, as long as I know you, as long as I, I can hear your voice, as long as I can feel your presence, as long as you, you can do whatever you want with my life. Not trying to put words in God's mouth and give him ultimatums and manipulate him to bless her. No, no. James says it like this, that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace, unmerited favor to the humble, to people that will just surrender their life, that'll just, just let go. And sure, God, I don't, I don't understand it all. It doesn't make all that much sense to me, but yes. That's what Mary had. Mary had this beautiful, humble yes, deep inside her heart. And that's what God wants from every one of us. He wants relationship with us. And it starts when we simply say yes. Then it goes on, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Right, that's a really good question, Mary. <laughs> How's that gonna work out, right? And, and think about in this verse what Mary didn't say. Hey, you're gonna get pregnant. God's gonna knock you up. And she didn't say, what? No, 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 there's a Mary next door. I think you found the wrong Mary. She didn't say any of that. Think about what she didn't say. Her heart has already said yes to God. Now she's just trying to work out in her mind how this is all gonna happen. Think about that. Come on, every one of us would have been, no, we will not do that. And by the way, if you didn't know, in Jewish culture, if she were found to be pregnant with child before marriage, execution, stoning to death. Think about that. Think about the weight of her yes in these scriptures. It says, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And then it goes on, and behold, your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. I want you to see this. So Mary has a cousin named Elizabeth who's way beyond the years of childbearing, and she's been barren her entire life, which with, in that culture was really sad. Because women were treated in such a way that if they could not bear children, it was a life of shame and guilt. There was something wrong with them. There's something not right, something malfunctioning. I mean, it's just awful and disgusting to even think about their worth being tied to their ability to have babies. But this is what Elizabeth has dealt with her entire life. And then God says to Mary, hey, Mary, I'm going to show you that, that I mean business the cousin that you had that's never been pregnant, she's got a baby bump. She's been pregnant six months. There's probably nothing God could have shown Mary bigger than that to tell Mary, I mean business, this is going to happen. Think about that. He, I mean, hey, Mary, your cousin Lizzie, six months prego, and she's got the baby bump. I, I was just thinking this week, why, 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 what if God switched it around and Mary got pregnant first and then Elizabeth? I mean, think, why was it six months? When Mary, because God wanted Mary to see the baby bump. He wanted her to see, I'm going to do it. I, you can trust me. I'm, if I can do it for her, I can do it for you. Someone needs to hear that. If God did it for them, he can do it for you. He's no respecter of persons. In fact, he'd love to do it for you. Whatever you need him to do, he wants to do. He wants to help you. So God gave Mary, Elizabeth, just simply for encouragement. Just simply for someone that, that she could walk through this journey with. This is a sign of community. See, everybody needs somebody. Who, who's your Elizabeth? Who, who's the person in your life that God has placed in your life? Maybe, maybe they're around you, but you haven't confided and connected in them. 
Maybe you're so busy you won't slow down to make that relationship. And God's calling you to put the brakes on and, and don't take every project at work and don't work every single Saturday and Sunday and create some space so that you can make some relationships. And you'll, you'll, be, you'll be shocked when you create some space for God to move, Elizabeth will begin to pop up in your life. And then it goes on, the angel starts preaching. He says, for nothing will be impossible with God. Think about that. Now think about what, what's going through Mary's mind. She, she, she's thinking about the end from the beginning. She's thinking about how everything is detailed and, and how it covers everything. And, and how is this all going to happen, right? And what God is speaking through the angel to her is, I've got it all covered. I've thought of everything. It's kind of like my wife, Amanda, right? Like, I don't know how. We leave the house and somehow we don't forget anything, right? It's just, she's like God, right? She, everything figured, like everyone full bellies. It's, it works. Like everything just, I don't know how. But it works, right? But think about what this meant to Mary, right? So Mary is in this interesting predicament, right? Because number one, at this time, when you had a baby, a lot of times mama didn't make it. There were a, a high level of death, child and mother in childbearing. So she's beginning to wonder, am, am I going to make it through this? Is this baby going to make it through this? Th then she's thinking about public opinion. Oh my gosh, I'm a virgin, engaged, getting ready to get married and go on my honeymoon, and I'm going to be pregnant? Right? And then she's probably thinking, how am I going to, how, how is this going to work with Joseph? Well, little did she know, God already spoke to Joseph in a dream and said, no, 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 you ain't leaving her, bro. You're staying with her, and you're going to be the father of the son of God. No pressure. <laughs> right? Think about that this morning. So what the angel is saying to Mary is all these level of details. I've got it all covered. I've thought about everything. All you got to do, I've given you a word. I've given you a lamp. Now all you do is walk with me. Just walk with me. And that's what God is asking of her. And then Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. You know what she was saying? She was saying, you know what? I, I am favored by God. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk step by step with Jesus. And I'm going to walk in this favor. I'm going to live in this favor, and I'm going to do what God has called and created me to do. She basically said yes to the favor of God. Think about that. Isn't that good? And, and I don't know about you, but I, I, don't, I don't like this lamp thing. Like, I don't want a lamp. I don't want to see one step. I want, like, a floodlight. I don't even want, I want, like, the sun. I want to be able to see it all. But see, God's so smart. He knows if we saw it all, we'd, we'd like, jump ship and run the other way. So he's like, no, 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 I'm just going to give you enough light to take a step, one step at a time so that you're with me, so that we can depend on him, even though we get uncomfortable. He gives us enough light to take a step with him every single time. Now, what's interesting about this whole scenario, and this goes for, this is as we continue on our case study on favor here, is favor can seem really, really scandalous. Like, really? You're going to pick a virgin to become the pregnant mom of God. That does not seem to fit into any cultural norms at that time, or today, rather. Favor oftentimes 